listening to episode 63 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John. I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and it's all-out sibling rivalry today in the Inflation Deflation Challenge. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Super Luigi U and New Super Mario Bros. U. And New Super Mario Bros. U plus Luigi U. All, all the Super Mario Bros plus Luigi, except Luigi's second in the line. He's, um, we don't talk about Luigi too much. The year of the Luigi has come and gone. So, uh, as we always talk about on the Game Deflators podcast, games we've recently picked up. This week, I had far too many. John uh, has a giant stack of Wii games And Skylanders. Here. A big box of Skylanders as and well. a big box of Skylanders. Do people buy Skylanders from you when you buy them? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, they buy them in bulk, apparently, so I'll probably sell that for like 40 bucks damn it's gonna be a lot on shipping though that's the only issue um i also picked up a box of wires box of wires folks yep we were having some trouble last week with our hardware components trying to find out which of john's av cables for his super nintendo would or n64 would work turned out it was just it was a dirty ditty yeah dirty yeah that's a weird way to say that so uh yeah we were going through some av cables i'm like man i wish oh, I wait, had. that's actually that's in the future you guys don't know about that yet stay tuned for a dirty ditty. That's true. That was a pre-recorded episode. Well, either way, in the future, we are going to have an issue in which our cables are just, there's only two. And um, we're just basically saying, hey, wish we had more AV cables for the uh, Nintendo products. And uh, in that box of cables, Ryan, there were three Nintendo cables. So I think we're pretty solid. All brand new, by the way. Uh, in wrapping so that was nice well and you got a couple other interesting things usually you're picking up games this week you got a couple of fluke hardware pickups too yeah it was the most random thing dude so um basically i went to this random flea market and the lady had a stack of playstation one games a stack of three playstation consoles with nothing and then she had this like random ass box and a couple like nintendo pads which i've already got nintendo pads i didn't need any more and the prices she was asking i was like nah so of course, I asked naturally, what do you want for all of it? And she's like, well, how about the stack of games, the PlayStations and this, you know, I don't find I don't know if all the cables are here, but there's this random box that's here. Maybe they're in there and you can have all of it for 30. I'm like, no, <laughs> like there's no way I am buying all this for $30. So I looked at the games. And I said, how much for the games? One of them was like Pood, I think, P-O-E-D on the PS1. I've also got on 3DO. Uh, God, I've never played it, but a few games, including Tenchu and a couple of random like Rally Cross and other crap like that, and they're all scratched to hell. I'm like, look, they're scratched. I'm gonna pass. Like, I'm not interested. And she was like, well, how about five then instead for just the games? I'm like, okay, fine. Like, I'll five bucks, fine. Like, I'll take a stab at that. And I looked at her and said, I'm tempted on this box of wires. And I had already gone through it and noticed a Game Shark. So I was like, well, if the PS1 Game Shark's in here and that's working, that's easily like 10 bucks if I sell it. So I'll make my money back. So she's like, all right, well, five bucks. I'm like, okay, cool. So I picked up this random box of wires, got the three AV cables, which is awesome. I got a PlayStation 3 controller or remote, which I've already sold. Um, I got the Game Shark. I got this really weird thing called um, an Epic's 500 KJ controller for Commodore 64 which is really cool. It's pretty cool. We looked yeah. at it. It's it's a solid feeling piece of hardware, and we were trying to see if there was a way that we could use it, but unfortunately, John lacks C64. Yeah, exactly. And uh, also picked up 
a dongle, like one of the receivers for Rock Band. Those are like 20 bucks a pop. So really, you know, at the end of the day, I picked up You'd this thing. You'd be surprised what you could find in a box of wires out there, folks. Uh, yeah, I was actually shocked. Now I can tell you, though, the rest of it's sitting in my trash can, including an old Xbox 360 hard drive. It was, um, you know, a special edition Halo hard drive, uh -huh. except the Halo 3 on the top was ripped off. So it was like, now it's just a 20 gig hard drive, some gold outlining. Mm -hmm. And they're already cheap as is. Like, yeah. if it at least had the sticker, it would have been fine. Uh, but yeah, so I made my money back and it's whatever. Like, it, it's cool to kind of go through that box of wires and at least know that I'm going to get back what I paid for it. And then there could be like a bonus in there, which was the dongle and the weird ass Commodore 64 well, controller. And, you know, when you're using retro hardware, it's never a bad thing to have extra bits around. So having those extra cables means that if you do come across a uh, Super Nintendo hanging out with no cable, bam, throw that cable in there. Now you've got, you know, more of a complete package to sell. Exactly. I also found some uh, power cables, you know, that go to the back of a fat PS2 and Dreamcast. So there's a few more of those now, you know, those are like two, three bucks a piece, mm -hmm. you know, whenever you go to stores. So if your cable ever blows out, well, now I got a couple extras. So what I really got to do is get organized and start getting like all my power cables in one little tote, all of my AV cables and other and so on. Mm -hmm. So any pickups from you? Uh, so this week, Gamefly finally came through for me. I got well, and I'll tie this right into what I've been playing. South Park, the fractured butthole. It's amazing. It's so good. You know, Gamefly, they they gave me something that I really wanted to play, and I knew I really wanted to play, even though I had two other games on top of this on my list, and they just bypassed those because the quantity was low. If the quantity is low, that means there should be some available. Say none. Just say, we don't have this game right now, or say fat chance. Like, say something besides low, because otherwise I'm going to put that at the top of my list, and I'm never going to get what I'm actually going for. And it's a, the biggest flaw I could see in the system is trying to prioritize your own queue, but then it circumventing your priority to just give you whatever is available means that you either have to have no queue with only one game in and be paying for the service without having the product that you're paying for, you know, just until it comes, which who knows how long that could be. So you're either wasting money or you're not exactly getting what you want. So I'll experiment in the future after I'm done with this, but I'm loving this game. It's everything that I got from Stick of Truth, but more, you know, it's just like playing it, a it's big, long like, South Park movie, and I love every minute of it's it. It's as if the game is butthole. Yeah. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, did you beat Stick of Truth? Yeah. Oh, nice. You actually beat a game. Yeah. Uh, I have not yet. I started a while back. I, of course, picked the Jew class, mm -hmm. and uh, I did not get through that game. I probably got through maybe an hour, and I had to pick up some other stuff, and it's just kind of been sitting there in limbo. Yeah, the differences that they've made in this game are really good choices, like the way the combat has changed to uh, tactical grid layout and uses uh, movement in both, you know, how far can you move in a turn, but moves that knock opponents back to push them out of range again and kind of redirect the battlefield. But it is kind of simplistic in that it's mostly built as a left to right system. So most of your moves are going to shoot 
or attack to your right or to your left directly, and you'll only have certain moves and certain characters who can attack above or below on the the grid. So yeah. choosing what moves you have and choosing how to build your character is really unique and interesting. There's tons of different options. You eventually get to the point where where I'm at in the game, I have the option of three different sets of powers to choose from. Each power set has three moves and an ultimate. So I can customize my layout to be whatever combination of those moves I want. Plus there's all kinds of uh, stat upping items that give you bonuses towards like knockback damage or uh, elemental over time damage effects like burning and being grossed out and uh, shocked. And all of those systems build together to make for a really compelling combat system that I think is, you know, really unique. Like I've seen other games do similar things, but I mean, adding the South Park flair to it is just so great. Like I just finished a mission where I went to the elderly home with two of the other kids to perform and they hated the performance so much that they attacked us and we had to fight our way out of the elderly home in the elderly home did they have the um you know the little dolls from that one no episode? no i didn't see any of the uh what were those things called i can't even remember i don't remember but it was like this whole like cartel type yeah. thing going on where they were collecting these dolls see and this the game it hits so often on the comedy and it hits so well like it is an open world style you know adventure just like the first one running all over south park you've got some fast travel points you know, and I really thought that the city felt fresh again, even though I'd done it before. You know, and as much as you're moving around the map, going from place to place and getting into semi-random encounters on the way there, like, they'll appear and you can choose to engage with them or not. But, well, if you think about it, man, like, South Park's history, they've, it's been over 20 years yeah. where the show's been around and you've always been in that city. But they have, like, this, you know, good history of like re-envisioning their own town of South Park and building upon it and introducing new characters and new storylines and really playing off of a lot of the things that are in, you know, your national news and everything else and incorporating it into that. So like, I would feel that the game is going to be no different in terms of that vision. Like it's going to feel fresh from game to game. Well, and, and if they release a third one, yeah. it's probably going to be in the same town, same yeah. characters, introducing some new people, throwing in some new random ass, like funny shit. Well, going and on. the way they do it to like block you off. Cause, uh, you pick up pretty close. I think after stick of truth, like a lot of them are still playing that. Oh really? Yeah. So and then it turns over, to Coon and Friends and the whole superhero game starts up. Nice. But um, I got to ask you, in Stick of Truth, was there any reference to the Lord of the Rings? You remember the DVD? Or oh, the, the VHS and Butters uh, watches and he wants to play Lord of the Rings? Yeah, that was that was like a pretty early episode. I'm just wondering if they referenced it, though. I don't remember. I'm sure there was, but I didn't do everything in that game. There were areas and side content that I never got around to in that game. Gotcha, because then there's a lot of funny things like Al Gore is in there. Mm -hmm. I think um, Man Bear Pig is yeah. also in Stick of Truth. So there's a lot of like things that they pull from the episodes, like little Easter eggs in mm -hmm. a sense for big South Park fans to yeah. watch. And, uh, I'm, dude, I really want to play it. Now, the more that you talk about it, the more I want to play well, it's good the original. And it's, it's compelling, like, the the cycle of going between doing your superhero stuff 
and then kind of going home at the end of the night to do what you do, you know, have dinner, talk to your parents, like that normal stuff, which is, I, I won't spoil anything, but it is really, you know, another kind of conspiracy with like, who is the new kid in this one? Oh, you uh, play the new kid, right? Yeah. That's right. It's it's really good. I highly recommend it to anybody. Uh, I've taken this to do now, and then I will get back to Final Fantasy XII after this, and then probably get on to uh, Persona. But what have you been playing, John? So I, I've been playing Shenmue uh, right now. Uh, let's see. The guy Charlie. I found Charlie. Turns out he's actually not Japanese. Charlie is actually um, English, and I don't know what kind of English because it's just the assumption that He's English. So um, found Charlie, and he runs away from me, and it turns out that, or he tries to run away from me, and I go ahead and, like, twist his arm or whatever, and he tells me where I need to go. You getting good at those quick time events? Uh, well, the interesting thing about Shenmue is that with the QTEs, if you fail it, it just reboots you in the same exact area. Mm -hmm. like, there's no, like, there's no way to fail those, in a sense. Like, and there's no game over. So, okay, cool. I just failed the QTE. It boots back up again. All right. Same exact button. Same everything. Okay, cool. I passed it. Let's continue with the story. So the only thing I don't like is say, for example, there might have been a QTE, then an event, then another QTE. Say you failed that second one. From my understanding, you would have to go through all of them yeah. again. And so that can, I'm sure that can get pretty annoying. Uh, but so far, it's not bad. Uh, the controls are still super clunky, so I'm absolutely hating the controls. Uh, the character moves around, you know, like it, it's hard to maneuver him in certain areas. Like he'll get stuck behind a wall. And I mean, I've played a lot of games in my lifetime and this is just super difficult. The QTEs are cool. The battling like training stuff is kind of lame because if you want to, you know, train your guy or uh, Ryu, if you want to train him, uh, it's a matter of or Ryo, I think is actually his name. You pretty much like take a pause and you just start like punching the air and doing like all of your practice kicks and practice punches and blocks and everything else. And you level up in that manner. But it's just kind of lame. Like I really wish they would have had like a sparring partner or which you can get a sparring partner, but like consistently, right? Yeah. Like a consistent sparring partner, like a well, blow up dummy or something. You, you know? don't really get into fights that often, do you? No, like there's a few so far, but I mean, I'm kind of just blazing through the game because I'm not enjoying it that much. Uh, from a you know, have you been gotchaponing? A little bit, not too much. I'm trying to save up the money I get. You know, I went to the casino and did that, which I think we put an article here. Yeah, we did. I'm looking at on the thing, so we can kind of talk about that. Um, but yeah, like you have the casino element, you've got the gaming area, which is like two arcade games and or three arcade games and like darts, mm -hmm. and like that's it. Like that's all you do. So it's like to burn time in this game, you're going shopping for material things that really are not going to affect you in any manner. Gotcha ponds, um, going to the bar and talking to people, not even having drinks because you're not old enough. Um, and then obviously playing the few games. Like there's not a whole lot going for it right now. And I cannot really say like with passion that I would be down to play two and three right now. Yeah. Like I might give two a chance only because Have you played the Yakuza's? No, I have them all though. So once maybe I you should instead of doing another Shenmue, do a Yakuza do game. Do a Yakuza, and then yeah. you can compare and contrast the two. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I could do that. I guess I mean, Yakuza, from what I know, is like GTA Japan or something. Is what well, people always tell like, me. It's like Shenmue, 
oh, which really? is like GTA, but more modernized. Yeah, you know, it has combat, but it has like a, a much higher, faster paced combat. Yeah, so I got it's got a lot more stuff to do. It's got a lot better characters and side missions, from what I've been able to tell. Well, there's also Judgment, and um, I think the new Fist of the North Star is an action RPG as well. So I might look into that. I'm not familiar with Fist of the North Star at all. And I think I it's know, an anime too. Yeah, it's a big, like old popular anime, and I have no, no info yeah, on it. Yeah, so they have Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise. I might look into getting that. Mm-hmm. Not sure yet. But so far, uh, over the last couple of years, I've collected uh, Yakuza 0, Kiwami, Kiwami 2, and then I've got uh, 3, 4, 5, and 6. But the 3, 4, and 5 are all on the um, PlayStation 3, mm. and they're re-releasing like this big pack now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I might get 3, 4, and 5 in that, like, you know, 1080p, 60 FPS setup they got going on. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But overall, playing Shenmue, not a whole lot of fun right now. Hopefully it gets better. If not, I'll play something else afterwards. That was why I had it as a stretch goal and why after watching reviews, I told you, because initially, for anybody listening, my new game's resolution was going to be Shenmue 1, 2, and 3. But I backed out on that before we started recording because I saw a few reviews and kind of, you know, just watched videos about the experience other people had that weren't like cult classic fans and they just weren't that great so it's like i don't know if i'm really going to want to do three of these Mm -hmm. so that's where we're at right now you're forgiven i am forgiven because i will complete the game you know who else is forgiven cd project red i forgive cd project red today we're talking about cyberpunk 2077 delayed is the best news of the year this comes from bark or bart Sweatech at Game Pressure. Uh, so, for anybody who doesn't know, there was a delay. Cyberpunk is now coming out in September. Final Fantasy VII is now coming out in April. Both of these games highly anticipated, you know, Q1 2020 blockbuster games that would probably, you know, have staying power to keep on people's radars until the end of the year for the next gaming awards yeah now you got q2 and q3 for both of these respectively well no we didn't even mention yeah seven until april yeah so q2 and q3 and um i gotta say man we talked about this in the past about how we would rather have a company or at least in my opinion i would rather have a company delay a game and get it perfect than release a bunch of patched up crap well and yeah in his article he's got this great quote by uh shigeru miramoto a delayed game eventually becomes good, but a rushed game is forever bad. I love that quote. Looking at you, so Apex. True. Oh no, not Apex. It's um, what's the other one? The garbage anthem. anthem. We already forgot it. See, I that's, forgot. That's it. last year's garbage. Yeah, it's twenty twenty now. A new decade without anthem. I don't know why I said Apex. I guess because A. Yeah, uh, but yeah, dude. So I'm pretty stoked about this. Uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven looks great. Um, it's definitely a game that's on my radar. Anything to make it better, why not? And also, I know that the article, there is still going to be crunch, and everybody hates crunch. Like, if a game could just come out a year later and nobody had to, like, lose sleep over it and people weren't, like, going crazy, like, I understand that the, you know, everybody knows that the industry thrives off of using its employees to the fullest and... You know, there are passionate people out there that do want to put the work in to make things super awesome. And there are sacrifices that have to be made, but less sacrifices being made, the better for everyone, I think. Well, and here's the best thing about it from a, um, a business standpoint for them, right? Now you get to go through another E3 
to promote this game. So any hype that you could have lost since the last E3 and TGX and or anything else, and then going into this year... You're breathtaking! <laughs> exactly. So you're going to get that right back uh, by doing another E3, having more time to develop it, and really explaining uh, to the consumers what you did to make this a better experience and where you were back in, like, April. So I think you not only get, like, consumer satisfaction at the end of the day, you're getting more hype for it, you're getting more promotion, and you're really just polishing off a game at this point. And I think there's a lot of trust, too, from us as well. Like, okay, cool, like, you guys saw something was wrong with this and that it wasn't going to be finished the way you wanted it to be. Now I trust you to get it done correctly. Well, and the E3 thing, you know, there's going to be some big holes in E3 this year. Sony still not coming back for... <coughs> Ryan's Goodness dying gracious. over here. Sony's still not coming back for E3. And then uh, Xbox Series X is not going to get any exclusives until 2022. Yeah, but they can so, still promote those uh, well, games. There will still be new games. But if Sony's not going to be there showing exclusives off for the PS5, Nintendo's going to show Xbox shit from like isn't two years be from now. There, showing off exclusives for the Series X, we're going to have another E3 with nothing really to show that's like first party next gen, which is kind of weird. Like it's a really weird turn when we're months away and this year at E3, we already know we're not going to see these games well i mean for sony for their sake you could have some of their developers there well there will be third parties showing off stuff but there's not going to be any first party next gen games I, ha I guess one thing i would have to ask is like does insomniac do their own thing does because they have other games that they're making does insomniac no, I mean, do a part of a show no it's usually it's it's ubisoft square uh, Nintendo does the Treehouse Live, Bethesda does a conference, well, I mean, Xbox like, does a on conference. On the show floor is what I'm saying. Like, oh, out on the show floor? I mean, I've never been. Yeah, we so, could get media passes now, though. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get media to E3. Uh, that line is probably long as heck. We are trying to get some media passes for other local cons, so we'll see how that comes up. If anybody is going to local cons in Arizona, let us know. The Game Deflators might see you there. But even if you don't see us at a con, you can always find us online at the game deflators everywhere except for twitter because they can't handle the just game deflators there yep and uh i i didn't realize we we're gonna do a spot right now ryan but uh podcasting we do uh all of our podcast episodes are on itunes spotify android applications podcast addict wherever you want to find us on a podcast google play store that's where i like to listen yep and if you or don't google find play. us on your favorite application let us know and we will be on there you, you damn right Exactly. We're not out there yet. We better get there. Exactly. So uh, back to this, though. We'll see how, you know, E3 shapes up this year. Um, I do anticipate, though, Microsoft stealing the show, mainly because there's nobody else there to kind of combat them in that show. Well, and except Nintendo. And who knows what Nintendo is going to have up their sleeve. They could very well be in that phase of we're going to put out, you know, another re-release on something and try to get people excited. I, I don't even know what's in the pipeline for Nintendo right now. Uh, I mean, they showed off the quick little teaser for Breath of the Wild 2 last year, so we'll definitely have some more information on that. Like, is that literally going to be it? Like, No, there will, be, there will be other stuff. I mean, it'll, it'll be the first time anybody's seeing the new stuff, so you can't anticipate it, John. That's true. That's true. But I just don't know if there's anything, like, 
I guess we got to look into this. Anything that's leaked well, during was, this year. I haven't seen anything come up in a lot of the news articles we read. So I was I'm reading a news article. curious what they're going to come through with. This morning, let's see, where was that one? Uh, uh, I'm looking right now at our, our little outline, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of seeing where you were trying to do a transition. I screwed you up, Ryan. I don't know. I was reading something this morning uh, about a – I didn't want to – talk about it because they're going to release a fuller version of the article later but uh an interview with a vp somewhere uh at a company that was doing switch ports they handled the ports for uh into the breach and yeah i saw that article this morning yeah so they they had strong things to say saying that you know nintendo would be a strong shower this year in spite of the new console releases with titles like breath of the wild 2 and they mentioned something else but people inside nintendo are feeling that you know the switch operates in a space much the same way that we did where despite its lack of power compared to its competitors it exists kind of in its own market and i think people love their switch like i exclusively only want to play my switch for the most part now so Let's jump into the next article yeah, here. I'm, I'm going to reverse these, by the way, because okay. I think this one actually works better coming up. So, um, yeah, there was this a whole, is a good one. Yeah, so Ubisoft basically uh, has admitted that uh, they need to make changes to make their games feel more distinct. Yeah, this and is... So this article was by uh, Jody McGregor of PC Gamer. And Ryan, I'll let you kind of open up with this. It looks like you got quite a few notes. Okay, so this is great news. Uh, Ubisoft is splitting their teams up to try to promote diversity in their games because they've kind of finally realized that all these Far Cry, Assassin's Creed, uh, Ghost Recon, open world, climb a tower, get a bunch of icons on a map games are all very, very much the same and they're just kind of destroying their own market space. And we've seen, especially with games like Anthem and Fallout 76, that the live service open world is not all it was cracked up to be. And people are not into it if you're not going to put out something quality and polish. And while I don't know if anything can much be said about the quality of Ubisoft's uh, games as far as like how stable are they compared to like a Bethesda, but I know that they just don't generate the excitement they used to, and people were very upset when they started implementing mechanics into like uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where you had to grind and grind and grind and grind and grind, or you could pay to skip the grind, which they're intentionally bogging these games down. And I think that moving forward, the market just isn't going to want to handle that much more of that for that much longer i think people are going to get are starting to get sick of it and if they're recognizing this and actually making changes to games that are currently in development scrapping some other titles that were pre-development and switching those over to new ideas and formats i mean i looked up a list of ubisoft games that came out and fractured butthole and stick of truth are like the only ubisoft games i think i've played since for honor and for honor i played like once and then never touched it again and since before that i don't even know maybe go streak on two on gamecube or something well south park at least has the benefit of that direction from its creators yeah, it's totally different it yeah. just has ubisoft giving them money and a way onto the platform 
Exactly. So that that's a different case, I feel. Now, Ghost Recon, it even mentions within that article that they were wondering, you know, why was it so lackluster in terms of sales and everything else and why the reception just wasn't there? And they even admitted that they've taken pieces of like other games that they've scrapped and like used those models and like worked on those models to place into new games. So they're not even like innovative at this point. They're just kind of rehashing the same crap, which explains why we continue to get Assassin's Creed, you know, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed. And then, oh, yeah, look, here's another Tom Clancy game. Why does it feel the same as all the others? Well, they're using the same crap over and over again. So at least recycled ideas, if not actual recycled, like straight mechanic rips. Yeah, exactly. And so I used to get excited about Ubisoft games years ago. Uh, back when Assassin's Creed was first announced, it was supposed to be a PS3 exclusive, and that obviously didn't happen. It ended up going multiplat. But you had games like Haze that came out. That one ended up being an exclusive game for PS3, and it was absolute trash because they just didn't do it the way they needed to. Watch Dogs uh, 3, they showed off last year at E3, and that looked just like more of the same kind of stuff and that did have a really i mean they did put new technologies into that with that be any character gameplay model which is really unique and that's going to definitely spice it up but they can't take that same thing now and throw that into the next far cry and just be like you far cry anyone yeah i mean it's... which you could see if they didn't do this would happen yeah and they've continued to, to do this over the years i'm honestly just kind of sick of ubisoft like, I, I don't look forward to their games. I don't look forward to any of their, like, their shows at big conferences. We don't play any of the dance games. No. I, do they even, even make dance games yeah, anymore? They, yeah. They always have, Ubisoft always has that big dance number during their showcase presentation because Just Dance is its own franchise that people get every year. I didn't know they were still making those. Yeah. Interesting. Well, have you speaking of dance games, are there any more DDR games that have come out in the last few years? You know, I don't really keep up with DDR much because I don't really think that they make those accessories like available anywhere. I know that Crypt of the Necrodancer and uh, what was the one, the Harmony of Hyrule or whatever that came out, Hi, uh, Cadence of Hyrule came out earlier this year uh, or last year. You know, those were rhythm games, but not like a pad rhythm game unless you had Crypt of the Necro Dancer on something that you had a pad for. I don't I just like you were talking about with your uh, rock band dongle, you know, the rhythm games have kind of gone away. Yeah, I mean, they tried to do the whole Guitar Hero thing a few years back, like Guitar Hero World Live or Pro or whatever Coming it was. Coming out with a revamp of it. Yeah, and ended up just kind of like flopping, so... Yeah, I, I was just kind of curious. But anything else on Ubisoft, man? Like, I don't have too much to say on them other than I'm not a big fan, and this just kind of increases that, like, hatred towards that company. Yeah, I mean, Ubisoft screws up a lot. I love when Jim Sterling does the oh, Ubisoft sections in his videos because it's always a good facepalm from them every so often. But I think this is a strong choice. I'm hoping that, you know, if they diversify out and have different teams really trying to approach these I mean, even if they want to keep the open world, but just take it forward in different directions, you know, I think that will give them a lot more reach than trying to just retool the same thing over and over. So I'm hopeful for the future of them, but, you know, we'll see what comes of it. 
Definitely. Uh, so the next thing before we get into our awesome inflation deflation game of the week, well, really games of the week, uh, the NHS chief says loot boxes are setting kids up for addiction to gambling. This is through Eurogamer. It's uh, Wesley Yinpool. And uh, of course, as I said, that's Eurogamer. Uh, NHS is actually an organization that looks like out in Europe. Um, so I don't did we look up what NHS stands for? I know it deals with mental health. So, yeah, NHS is the uh, National Health Service. There we go. So basically, they interviewed uh, Claire Murdoch, um, who speaks or actually issued some statements regarding uh, loot boxes and gambling. And it's pretty much what we've been talking about for a long time. You know, and she's see... the mental health director. Yeah. At the NHS. So we see or she's basically saying that, you know, and as we've talked about this year is there's a connection. You know, you're setting up kids for addiction. You've got loot boxes. It's really kind of giving them that mindset of if I put in some money, I could potentially get something great. And so uh, I'll, of course, let you go. I'll go ahead and pass it off to you on here. But I got my own thoughts on here in, a, in addition to a quote that was uh, provided. Well, they've they've been talking about this for a while. You know, we got some some heat from some congressmen last year in the U.S. We got a lot of heat from different countries in Europe claiming this. Now, with the National Health Service, they've uh, declared, you know, gaming addiction as a thing. Uh, they it says here in the article that they set up 14 new NHS gambling clinics nationwide and that, you know, their concern over gambling addiction for people in these games is a real thing. Like it's no longer our loot boxes gambling. Yes. Authorities say it is a problem. You know, it is predatory, you know, teaching kids to gamble and to waste their money on especially frivolous things i mean at least if you go to the casino and you leave up you know you've got some money and you're never hardly going to leave up from a casino but at least you can get something worthwhile out of it i mean for the most part this is just game companies tricking people into paying for stuff that they should already have access to because it's a game and unlocking stuff through play used to be how it was but now they want to make more money and uh, so that quote I was talking about, this is actually my face palm of the day moment, is uh, EA and Epic have obviously failed to acknowledge this, right? And so Kerry Hopkins from EA said, we don't call them loot boxes. We call them surprise mechanics. And it's like, really, you can't just say, you know, it's not gambling. It's chance time, you know, from Mario Party. Like, that's not how this works. Like, clearly, you have an issue you have kids that are jumping into this, spending money, spending their parents' money, creating addictions and long-term mental health problems, and all you're going to say is, well, we don't call it that. We call it this instead. Yeah. It's not addressing the situation. Yeah, they want to dance around and keep making this money as long as they can, but they know that the iron is hot and the time is short, and I think everybody is going to be real happy, you know, hopefully for uh christmas 2020 we get no new loot boxes that'd be great and you know a lot of a gamers... lack of boxes under the tree for the first time would make me happy oh that'd be great and you know a lot of gamers actually have that same you know opinion as us is these loot boxes are really just kind of ruining games why not as we just had in that first article create a great game add more content and some people would actually believe it or not 
be willing to pay a little more money to get a highly polished game with additional features already integrated into the game. Well, and nobody's nobody's coming after you for DLC. If you want to come out with great DLC that is worth people paying for, that's fine. But don't just take a soccer game, take a character model, change the face on it, and make that the famous guy that everybody wants give him better stats than all the other people, and then you have a one in a hundred chance to get him for every $2 you spend. Like, that's bull, because you're giving people a pay-to-win advantage. You're taking away the reason people come to, especially sports games like FIFA, people come to those games to play their heroes. And when you take their heroes away and put them behind a frivolous paywall and then make it so that, you know, if you're that lucky kid, you get to roast everybody because you're better now. That yeah, sucks. And it's not even like at that point, it's not even a matter of like competition and being good at the game. It's, well, my buddy here I'm playing with doesn't have the same stats I do. So he doesn't have a shot to begin with. Like, in fact, if that buddy that doesn't have those stats beats you, that just shows that you suck. Like, it doesn't help kids at all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help adults really either of their issues. Yeah. So, so hopefully with these, the steps of, you know, it becoming more and more of a mainstream concern as opposed to a niche concern for people who because there's millions of people out there who love loot boxes who spend a lot of time and money fixated on loot boxes and they're already hooked into that and i mean some of those people might be upset when loot boxes go away but you know it's it's really a question of is this a safe practice for the target audience and that's just an unequivocal no. You know, why can't we have loot boxes within the actual game itself, like as a fun component? So the more you grind, the more effort you put towards getting something done, you can get loot boxes with an in-game currency that you don't have to pay actual cash for. It's well, your grinding. Well, games do that, but they also say but that... But I'm saying no financial aspect whatsoever, no actual real dollars. We're talking an in-game currency of achievements in a sense you gain x achievement points well now you have a chance to open up this box of you know a one in ten chance to get something like or why not just have unlockables that too just have you know you you win 30 matches you get darth vader yeah i mean pretty much like smash bros yeah you know and that was always a fun a really fun aspect of well, getting those the characters. newest smash bros some of those characters were hard i remember like trying to fight the new challengers and it would take me a couple tries to actually beat them because there was some you know it was additional content for playing besides just unlocking them and getting to play as them like fighting against them was like an extra component to the game that you don't really have in a just like oh you got it in a box that makes sense okay well i think we're gonna loot boxes this whole topic always pisses me off anyways so uh let's go into our inflation deflation of the week you got that booted up Yes, Inflation Deflation of the Week. So this week, we're taking a look at new Super Mario Bros. U, new Super Luigi U, and new Super Mario Bros. U plus new Super Luigi U on the Wii U. Oh my god, that that took too long. So, developed by Nintendo, published by Nintendo, designed by Shigeyuki Asuke... Daiki Iwamoto and Ryutaro Kano. I hope I did that okay. These games came out respectively in November 12 and June 13, and then the bundle came out later. I didn't write that down. They got pretty good receptions. New Super Mario Bros. U actually did better at an 84 
kind of on average. And uh, new Super Luigi came in at a 75. And I think we could see the difference why when we played the games. So I would say the biggest reason for that score difference is really the types of people that are playing it. Mm-hmm. So unless you're into that whole like speed run aspect and getting through as quickly as possible and trying to get some items, but not all. And a tougher challenge. And a tougher challenge. You're not really going to like uh, Super Luigi U. In fact, sometimes it felt unfair in some areas. Like, holy crap, like there's that many cannons shooting fire at me right now mm-hmm. while trying to get through the level. It was a little overwhelming. We uh, we basically did both games back to back and just kind of ran through like the first area first world pretty yeah, much to, to get an idea of you know how the game felt john's played these games before i've never played these games before because i never had a wii u but you know it really felt it felt like a great mario game it was really interesting playing mario two player on a screen for the first time ever i thought that that was interesting uh i can see now where I've watched a lot of people do, uh, you know, custom courses and stuff in Mario Maker and Mario Maker 2. So now I'm really seeing where some of that design kind of came from in the new Super Mario Bros. style. Because that was really my main exposure to that style. Yeah, and I gotta say, I don't think that it's a style that I like, necessarily. Uh, the The new Super Mario Bros. style to me feels a little... I'm trying to think of the right word. It's It doesn't pace as well as the others. It's really slow. Uh, the character's kind of moving her legs up in the air like while trying to jump. It just seems really odd to me. It's got a lot more float. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of that. Like the, I like the ability to just kind of come down, you know, mm-hmm. when you jump. And, you know, Super Mario Bros. 3 really kind of was that next level to get to Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. And those two games are clearly my favorites are the front runners in the mario series in terms of that style of gameplay the new super mario bros games just don't do that for me see and other people i've heard like super mario bros u was was like what brought them back to mario so they put it really high up there i would like to play more of these games or at least you know uh some other newer more modern marios because i think we talked about it last time the last mario i played was galaxy and that was a long time ago. And yeah, I never got very far in that because I kind of got, I don't know, it made me a little nauseous going around the round planets for some reason. I don't know. I just, I I got it. I was super stoked for it. And then I just never really played it much. Makes sense. Uh, Galaxy was okay. I mean, I got kind of sick with it, um, like physically ill from playing that game. Just okay, cool. You too then. Yeah. So I, I'm right there with you, dude. The most recent game I played from the Mario series was Odyssey, and I yeah. absolutely loved it. 100% of the game. People love that, too. I need to get that one and play it, too. Yeah, it was such a great... Well, I have it. You can always borrow yeah, it. Yeah, borrow it. Um, but yeah, it was such a great game, and that really, to me, was better than the new Super Mario Bros. games. Mm-hmm. It just had a better feel to it. it. Well, did you like the open style of it as compared to the level-by-level level kind of classic style that's in the Super Mario Bros. U? Well, yeah, I do like the open world component to it. It did have different worlds, you know, yeah. but they were all like their own. Open yeah, they were world. all their own aesthetic and yeah, different and collectible things. Lots and stuff. of collectibles throughout. So you kind of had that collectathon aspect going for it. But they did jump back into older Mario style. Certain areas you would have to like jump into a, a pipe, for example, and become 2D Mario. It, yeah, or something. become 2D Mario and you'd have those older elements. So uh, I enjoyed it. That was by far probably. That's the reason I got a Switch, actually. Yeah. Like, when I saw that game and I saw the hype around it, I had to play it. 
and I picked up a Switch specifically to play that game. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can obviously tell that it was fun. Um, I I got it for Breath of the Wild, like everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Zelda's not really my. I'll I play mean, Zelda. Me either it was a good game, but anyways, back yeah. to Mario. Okay, so back to Mario. Um, I'm just not as big of a fan of these. I think the reviews of 84 and 75. Well, 75 I think is really more of a speed issue, but. I would say these games, I would rate them both at that 85 range. They're good, but they do have their flaws, and I don't think that they're perfect All in right. any sense of the form. Now, I'm going to give you a big breakdown. So people, listen up here. We've got a lot of numbers coming at you real hot and fast. So I'm going to break this down. I'm going to go new Super Mario Bros. U, new Super Luigi U, and then the combo pack that came with both price-wise. We've got first up complete inbox. For your Mario, you've got 18. For Luigi, you've got 2074. And for uh, the combo, you've got 1999. Now, that's a pretty tight spread there. Now, uh, Mario peaked at 4495 back in April 2015. Uh, Luigi peaked at 3940 back in February 17. And March 16, the combo was at 4394. So you could see these numbers kind of all over the place here like i don't think we've ever really seen spots where the we had this kind of competition you know they're all very similar games one of them is literally both of the games together and that's less than just luigi u on itself well you know one thing with this too to consider is the time frame that they came out and also the aspect that the switch wasn't out yet so those games were at that higher price point now the switch is out and they've re-released new super mario bros u deluxe Mm -hmm. you know on the switch a lot of these prices just shot down dramatically they didn't hold that nintendo value that they typically have and it obviously didn't help that's on the wii u so a lot of those games have shot down in value anyways uh but from a loose perspective um same concept as ryan so the new Super Mario Bros. U, 1450 loose right now, 1686 for Luigi, and then the combo at 1737. And then they peaked back uh, 4279 loose um, in December of four, 2014, 4133 for Luigi in February 2014, and a combo at 4467 in February of 2016. So again, same prices, kind of in that same general area. And one thing to keep in mind, people, when you're listing these prices, is it varies. I mean, you could have somebody that just randomly paid forty four sixty seven. Yeah, these are averages that we get from yeah. price charting. For anybody who's a new listener, that's where we get our data on these games. Price charting is a service. They list out uh, games and kind of aggregate all the sales online into a chart to come up with an average price and a graph showing kind of the trends over time of how it's been sold. And for any of you naysayers, we know it's not a perfect system on price charting. However, it is probably one of the more accurate uh, price systems. It's a good ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it does go based off. And if you read their terms and conditions, Ryan, they actually go into, you know, how their pricing is structured and what they factor in, what they don't, uh, what is constitutes complete in box versus what is not. You are going to have some issues because it's based off listings and a logarithm that pulls that data. And Um, all of these, too, these are all the North American release for Wii U prices. So there are you know listings for japanese versions and pal versions since we've got three almost identical games we're just sticking with the na releases that john has exactly uh so ryan i guess we're gonna get down nitty-gritty here dude 
at those price points, do you feel these games are inflated or deflated, or are they just right? I mean, for 20 bucks complete in box for the combo, I mean, I can't see that being a bad deal at all. I mean, I would be surprised at anybody who would be willing to pay, you know, a little bit more for just the Luigi version or a little bit less for just the Mario version when right in the middle, pretty much. You've got this combination of both of them, and I think that it's it's a steal at that price. If you have a Wii U and you don't already have this game, I don't think you could do much better. So you're going to say it is deflated? Yeah. yeah. You, you I, think it's worth a little bit more than that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially with that you know usual Nintendo holding power that it gives to its games, I feel like there was probably just... I mean, releasing the same or very similar game this many times, I think, is what ultimately has driven it to such a low price because the availability of this game, it must just be massive because people would have bought the first one, would have bought the second one, would have sold both of those and bought the third one because it replaced the other two. Like, they, you got your, your choice of pick out there. And I think that I, if you could get a good deal and get the other two separate for less than $20. I mean, then you have two games on your shelf, so you can fill your shelf out a little bit much too. There's a lot of ways for a collector I can see to approach this. Get all three, get both cheaper than the combo individually to fill up more shelf space, or save some money and just get the one. You've got a lot of options here. I think this is a, a unique opportunity for people to pick up uh, however they want really and for what looks like a reasonable price yeah i'll go with you on that man so i think in 1999 so really 20 you're just about right on the price point uh but given the whole thing of nintendo value and how it always typically stays up uh these games uh, in terms of that you know nintendo value and what we've seen in the past and what games still hold in terms of value i think 1999 is actually deflated just for that purpose alone would I be willing to pay any more than 20 bucks? No, but theoretically it is deflated just based on their history. Yeah. I mean, this is, we're trying to give you a good deal here, folks on this, you know, take it any way you want. It's, it's deflated. All right. Yeah. It's a deflated. good game. Pick it up if you don't have it. So, uh, next but week. Remember the Wii, the Weverse is gone. Oh, so yeah. So when it asks you about Miiverse. the Wii Weverse. Miiverse. The Miiverse, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are we playing next week? I mean, we've got some uh, NES, Super Nintendo. We haven't played a 3DS game or a, G or a GBA or anything like that. I think we'll, uh, we'll think this one over. We'll go handheld next week, folks. All right. Handheld. We'll pick something off my shelf. And, uh, you know... Check us out on your handheld device, whatever you prefer. You can go to Apple iTunes if you have an Apple product. You can go to Google Play Store or any other numerous podcast apps that you might have. iHeartRadio, Podcast... Uh, podcast Addict. Podcast Addict. Podbean, Podbean Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, all of those places you can check us out at. Let us know uh, what kinds of games you would like to see in the future. Let us know if there's uh, anything that we missed this week. Uh, what other Ubisoft games suck and are samey? Uh, maybe there's some we didn't mention. Look, people, we got like probably close to 2,000 games that we got to play through. So uh, start the suggestions coming. 
You can check out game, uh, John's full gaming list. Oh, yeah. It's uh, VG Collect. VGCollect.com slash FF as in Final Fantasy Maniac 2050 slash. So, uh, yeah, find that and let us know what we should be playing. So, all right. All right. Well, that being said, my name is John. I'm Ryan. And we are the, the Game, Game Deflators. Deflators.